This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming raconteur events and listen to other episodes at raconteurdenver.com. This raconteur event took place on November 3rd at Leon Gallery in Denver. Our topic this evening was First Denver Anything. Our storyteller this episode is Kirsten Lewis. Kirsten is a family photojournalist, keynote speaker, and well-respected educator in the photography industry. She has appeared on Creative Live, Craftsy, in the Huffington Post, and passed out on various couches during much of her 20s. In her spare time, Kirsten can be found accosting her six-month-old daughter with kisses, retrieving the ball she's thrown for her dog Mingus, and kicking her husband's ass in Scrabble. Kirsten shares the tale of starting a family for the first time in Denver. So my name is Kirsten, and um, I am a family photojournalist. Um, But before I was a family photojournalist, I just photographed weddings, which was kind of the bane of my existence. And what kind of catapulted, now I travel the world, not only photographing families, but I speak and teach as well at conferences. And one thing I've learned about my life is that I trust my gut with every decision I've made. And I was offered an opportunity to speak for five minutes in front of 10,000 wedding photographers, which I didn't want to do because I fucking hate weddings. And I didn't want to talk about making wedding photos, Um, but they said I could talk about anything. So at the time I had been single, I was in my mid thirties and single, fuck my life and I'm a wedding photographer. And um, so (laughs) I decided I was gonna talk about, um, I had been trying to do internet dating, which is really awful and anybody out there that does internet dating, I really feel for you. Uh, Because the plethora of people that are available for um, people in their mid-30s, women in their mid-30s, internet dating is amazing. (laughs) And um, so I talked about for five minutes uh, warning people about their profile photos uh, and things not to do in your profile photos um, as a photographer. Like, don't make me think you want to kill me in your um, profile photo when you're trying to date me. Um, Don't include rats in your profile photos. Um, I had two men approach me with um, rats on their shoulders, kissing them. It really doesn't make me want to date them. It just really makes me want to commit them somewhere. Um, so uh, I got it. I had a gut feeling that I just wanted to talk about that and not wedding photography. And it really catapulted my career, um, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but I was still, I was single for a long time in my mid-30s, and I had kind of given up the idea of having kids. And one night, 
this is before I moved to Colorado to Denver. We'll get there. Um, I had gone to a dinner where I randomly sat across from my now husband, but at the time was a friend that I had lost contact with. And throughout the evening, um, the more bottles of wine that were consumed, the closer we got until we were sitting next to each other. And I found out that he had um, been going through a separation and I had been going through sex withdrawal. So um, we ended up getting really bombed and walked back to my apartment. And I, honest to God, my husband and I cannot tell you if in fact we did the deed that evening because neither of us remember. (laughs) He woke up naked. I woke up really hungover. But we have no memory of having sex. So the, ne- the next night, um, I had been barfing all day long, and I didn't leave the couch, and my phone, there's a message on my phone, it's like, come meet me at the bar downtown, and I'm like, what the, how are you drinking? I'm like dying, I need somebody else's blood in my body right now, because I can't function. I was like, all right, I'll meet you down there, and the first thing he... <laughs> so, the first thing he says is, dude, you want to do a bump in the bathroom? And I'm like, what? Who does bumps in their 30s? No, no bumps in the bathroom. Like, I can't even exist right now. I'm like, this is going nowhere. I need to get out of here immediately. And, um, <laughs> and he, we're talking, and I was like, I'm moving to Denver. And he's like, I would totally move with you. And I was like, have you done more than the cocaine and the alcohol that you've just consumed? Because that's fucking crazy. And he's like, we slept together last night. And then in my mind, I'm like, I don't really remember that. But, uh, um, and I was like, I sleep with a lot of people. Like, what is that? <laughs> okay. Um, but I knew, I knew him and I knew that he, the reason he and his wife were separating is because he really wanted to have kids and she had changed her mind. So it wasn't a matter of them not loving each other anymore. It was a matter of simply they were going in two different directions. And so I was honest with him because when you're in your mid thirties and you're single, you just put it all out on the table. I know that you really want to have kids and I have had plumbing issues my entire life. I don't even know if I could give you kids. So like not even worth talking about. And he looked at me, eyes rolling, hazy, but he said, well, I wouldn't have to like biologically have kids, we could just totally adopt. And I knew at that moment in my gut that he was worth giving a second date to, not with cocaine or getting bombed. (laughs) So we ended up moving here together and we, I ended up proposing to him because I couldn't wait any longer um, at a, a friend of ours art gala, which was pretty funny because um, I don't know if it, Redline Gallery, are any of you guys familiar with Redline Gallery? Okay, so one of my best friends from high school is, um, her name is Katie Karen. I don't know, she's pretty known in the area for her sculpture. And uh, so she was having a show and we were there and it was, it was a lot of little installations. And in the corner was uh, a typewriter and it said, type a loved one a letter. <laughs> I'd had a couple of drinks. And so I like sit down, I start typing and Katie comes over, she goes, oh my God, like, what are you doing? 
And I said, I think I'm gonna like ask Greg to marry me in a letter, in a type letter, and then I'll give it to him later tonight. She's like, girl, you know that's being projected in the other room so everyone can see. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, he hates attention really bad. They had already screened him into the other room. There was like three times as many people as you that are here now. And he watches us like, I feel like you're the love of my life. We were meant to meet. Like, I want you to be the father of my children, blah, blah, blah. Will you marry me? And like, there's people like photographing him. And he's like, oh my God, shoot me. And so the next thing I know is I feel a tapping on my shoulder. And I turn around, it's him. I'm like, sorry. (laughs) And and I was like, what? He's like, well, get up. I got to respond now. So he unrolls my letter and puts a new sheet of paper in, and he, and he just writes, duh, yeah. <laughs> so um, we were married uh, legally here in December, two years ago, in a quiet little um, ceremony right in the same place where we got engaged. And then we had a blowout of a wedding in Puerto Rico a month later. But um, anyone that's advanced maternal age, um, which would be anywhere between age 35 and up, and you've decided that you would like to conceive children, um, you are labeled as old as fuck. So I swear to God, it's like old as fuck on your file, your medical file. Um, So the doctor will say, oh my God, just like, you know, start trying. It might take a while. Don't get concerned because stress can like, you know, mess with the body, so don't worry about it. Just start trying. So we pull the goalie, and then, like, I come back from my wedding pregnant, and I was like, first time, first time? Like, am I a 16-year-old girl that's never had sex before? First time I get pregnant? I wasn't ready. I wasn't sure. But the minute I saw that I was pregnant, I was really excited. Um, We ended up miscarrying that baby. Um, So tried again, and we kept having trouble having a baby. We didn't have trouble getting pregnant, um, that was very easy. In fact, my husband could sneeze in the kitchen. I would be in the bathroom, somehow semen would fly up my skirt, and I was pregnant. Um, But we had trouble keeping the baby. Um, I couldn't get it to stick very well. So um, after a lot of trial and error, um, we had decided we were going to do some fertility treatment. So we had the fertility appointment scheduled. And three days before, um, I just violently got angry at my husband. I have no idea why. But he was screaming at me to stop screaming at him for no reason. And so I basically was like, fuck you, I'm out of here. And I'm taking the dog. And so I put the dog in the car and I went to a hotel. And as I'm unreleasing the seatbelt, my arm grazed my nipple. And I was like, oh, that feels weird. So I was like, all right, back in the car, Mingus, who's our dog. And we go back um, to the CVS or pharmacy, and I get a pregnancy test. Yes, another one. And I literally had already peed. I'm like on the toilet, dribbling whatever I can get out, and it immediately turns positive. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm in a hotel right now. (laughs) So I just send him a picture of the pregnancy test, and I wait a couple seconds minutes and the response is just clearly well is it mine (laughs) which he was just joking people (laughs) 
So I said, do you want me to come home? He's like, uh, no, I want you to actually get an entire bottle of wine, consume that wine, get in the tub, relax, and then come back when you're not crazy. So I went back the next day um, home, and then we went to the doctor. And we found out that we were indeed pregnant, and everything was good. A lot of things go in your mind, especially the first time you have kids. And um, I was living in Denver where I had no family. I had very few friends. Um, my husband and I were on the road for most of it. I um, also got extremely sick with hypermesis, um, which is vomiting six to 10 times a day until my 17th week that I was pregnant. If you've been to a Safeway, I've probably puked in the parking lot. Um, Interesting things happen during pregnancy. You start worrying about things you never thought you would worry about. You sneeze and then piss yourself. Eyelashes start growing out of areolas. Um, all of it very, very attractive. Very, very awesome. Um, you also get very big. You can hardly walk, that kind of stuff. So um, while I hoped that it would be a pretty normal pregnancy, it wasn't. And after the hypermesis, I was starting to feel good. And then during an um, ultrasound, we discovered that my placenta was dying. And all placentas die. Mine was just dying earlier, meaning that it wasn't providing as much nutrients to the baby anymore. And so I had to start going um, to the doctor more often than most women do. So we, um, uh, the, the last appointment that I had, the baby's heartbeat was good. Uh, she did a stress test. I passed that. And she's like, I just have one other feeling. I'm just going to go ahead and um, check your water. And when she checked my water, we noticed that my water was completely gone. And I was at only 36 weeks. So I was a month, a tire four weeks earlier than I was due. And she looked at me and she said, what does your gut tell you? And I said, my gut tells me that the baby needs to come out. And she said, we're going to get you in. And I said, well, do I have time to go back and get my laptop? Because i got some emails that I have to return. Can I do that in the hospital? And she's like, your husband can go. You need to go directly to the hospital. Um, I wanted to do it all natural. So I went 17 full hours of hard labor. Um, my husband was pretty amazing. He massaged me 17 hours straight. Um, at one point, um, we had, we're pretty, we make a lot of jokes, we laugh a lot. I'm pretty positive. And I was in the bathtub and I remember my husband breaking down. And I knew exactly what was happening. Uh, shortly before we found out we were pregnant for the fifth time, um, shortly after our wedding, my husband's best friend committed suicide. And he was so excited the last time we were pregnant. Like, extraordinarily excited. Like, beyond excited for us. And he didn't get to find out that we were pregnant successfully again. Um, and I said to him, I said, my gut tells me, Greg, the next time we get pregnant, I feel like it's going to stick. And it's because Michael is going to watch over our baby. So when he was breaking down in when I was in the tub, I knew what that was. And it was a reminder that we felt very grateful to his friend that somehow he was looking after us and our baby. One of the things I wanted to try and do was birth her in the cull, which means I wanted to birth her in the sack, 
rather than them break my bag. It wasn't necessary that they break my bag for the labor to start because I was already in labor. So about 20 minutes in, I had forgotten about that. I was just pushing with like three students, my daughter, my midwife, the nurse, my mom, Greg, I mean the pizza guy, everyone was in there. And um, I was just pushing really hard and next thing I heard was, I just see everybody soaking wet and it, my bag had exploded. <laughs> Greg, my husband was so wet that he had to just take his shirt off. <laughs> and we were laughing really hard and it was like a good nice break because it hurt so bad from the pushing. And, um, but what I didn't know is that the water that came out of my bag was black. And that is meconium. If you don't know what meconium is, that's poop. And babies normally don't poop till they're late, overdue, like 41 or 42 weeks. If they poop beforehand, that means that they're in fetal distress and that there's something wrong. And so they allowed me to keep pushing. A lot of times that you'll have emergency C-section, but I have an amazing um, midwife who allowed me to keep pushing. And apparently she turned to the nurse and she said not a word because she knew how afraid I was that I was going to lose my baby after losing five so um, I pushed Birdie out, and I got to have her on me for about a minute and a half. Um, she wasn't breathing really well. She was what they call singing. And what that means is that she's ingested some of the meconium, and it can kill your baby. Um, and so gratefully and thankfully, because she was early, the NICU was right in the room, and they took care of her, and after about 20 minutes, she was able to be put back on me, and I could start nursing right away. And my midwife came over to me and looked at me, and she said, you have a really good mommy gut, because she wouldn't have lasted more than two days more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tour Denver. If you enjoyed this story and live in Denver, join us at the Ubi Sabubi Room under the Thin Man on January 10th for our next Tour event with the topic of Arrested. Here's a reminder to visit RacontourDenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture.